What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room Podcast Series. What's up, guys? You're listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Our guest today, Jonathan Alshammer, teacher at Fred Lynn Middle School in Woodbridge, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. Jonathan, how's it going, brother? It's going really well. I'm happy to be here. Hey, man, we're stoked to have you on, man. And so let's talk about your history, your experience in education. Like, what do you teach? Who do you teach? And then most importantly to me is like, why do you teach? Yeah, man, you know, so uh, my name is Jonathan Alshimer. I teach seventh grade social studies at the Fredland Middle School, kind of home to the uh, world-renowned relentless skateboarding principal. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to teach there. It's my 10th year teaching, uh, my eighth year there. And, uh, you know, I think the... One of the nice things about education is, you know, I think as teachers, everybody kind of needs to have that why. So I think that's a great question. And um, for me, you know, I've, I've been, I've had the luxury of being immersed in education my whole life. You know, my parents are both educators. Um, my mom was an elementary school teacher and I didn't have her, but I remember so often people would say, you know, your mom was my kid's favorite teacher, you know, and, and then I had my father as a middle school teacher. He actually taught social studies, which is why, you know, I kind of found that love of history. And, you know, he was my favorite teacher. I still remember to this day, my first day walking into his room, you know, he had a whole thing in the beginning of class where he got flung over a desk just to get everybody's attention, you know. And I think, like, for me, it was like that energy and that excitement to education that was different from anything I'd ever had before and to almost not know what to expect, you know. And and so not only seeing education from the student perspective, but also from, you know, I was the child of two teachers. And then also my wife, I teach myself. But my wife is a teacher. She teaches third grade. And, you know, for me, kind of looking at all those different things, I always thought, you know, I think that no matter who you are, where you come from, you always have that teacher, you know, with love school or you hated school. You always had that teacher that you remember. Yep. And I kind of and that, that's my why. I want to be that teacher. You know, that's that's me. You know, I always say for my wife teaches math and I always, you know, I still have kids of hers that tell me, you know, Alzheimer's class is so fun. And I always say this, I say, you know, kids didn't, you know, work hard at math because they love math. You know, they didn't work hard at fractions. They don't they don't sit there and work hard at fractions because they love math. They sit there and do their best at fractions because they love you. And, you know, when it comes to that why, that being a teacher, whether you love school or hate school, you still have that teacher that you remember that, that did it for you. You know what I mean? And I want to be that. Whether it's my kids or anybody in the school, I, I, you know, and I also say this, you know, all kids are our kids. You know, it's kind of like a cliche thing that you hear a lot of people saying. Yep. And some people, you know, but the problem is, you know, who are the active people in that, you know? And when someone walks by your classroom that looks like they're having the worst day, you might not even know their name. And you walk over and say, hey, buddy, how's it going? You know, what's going on? Everything cool? Yep. And that one moment right there, that kid is not even in my classroom, but that could be that moment that changes that kid. And he's like, oh, I still remember when Mr. Alshaw came over to me. You know, he wasn't even my teacher. And you never know. Those things change kids' future. So... You know, that's that's my why. You know, I didn't get into education for money. You know, there is none. <laughs> you know, when it comes to money, we don't have any. You know, right. We're doing it for the, the love of kids. And, and for me, it's specifically like I want to be remembered for, you know, being that teacher for kids. That's big time, man. That's a that's a powerful, powerful answer. And you know, the magic happens outside the classroom. You know, it's between classes. It's before school. It's after school. It's oh, dude, always, about. man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of the best some of the best moments when you can connect with kids. 
it's crazy, man. Like I always look at every opportunity. I always say this: you have to have a frontline mentality when it comes to education. There's yep. no shadows in education. And when you see any, there could be any moment at any given time where you're like, oh man, I see that kid's got a T-shirt of a band that I like, or you know, he's. I might not. I've only played Fortnite one time, but obviously he likes Fortnite because he's got Fortnite on his T-shirt. So you walk over and be like, dude, you play Fortnite? What's up? And then the next thing you know, that kid is. I just had a kid the other day saying, you know, I studied for your your test, Mr. Alshimer. I've never studied for a test in my whole life. And he's like, don't be mad at me. I was like, I'm not going to be mad at you, man. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? And, 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 it, and he simply said that because he's like, I just love your class. And to me, I can't tell you what that did to me, man. That really, like, it, it touched me. And sure. it's because of those those moments in the hallway or those moments where you tell a story before class that has nothing to do with education. It, you know, or you ask, like, how was your weekend? But you're not just saying it and you don't care. You're saying it and they know you care. Yep. So. Th- those are those powerful moments, man, that change that change your classroom and change the kids' lives. Yep, yep, change the culture, change the culture. And so I Absolutely. discovered I discovered you through the power of social media on Twitter um, from being connected yep. with Hamish, like you talked about earlier. And I knew there was this guy that was teaching at his school that had fought in the MMA, and I was like, "That's legit," <laughs> you know, right? Talk a little bit yeah. about like that whole experience and the emotions involved in participating in an event like that, and what you learned from being a part of it. Oh, dude, it was crazy. You know, I, you, here's the thing. You got to understand, like, I grew up in my whole life, I was I was an athlete, you know. And and in being an athlete, I also have to mention this. I was, like, the smallest kid you've ever seen. You know, right now I'm 6'3", and I weigh 220. Right. And when I say that to my middle school kids, they're like, no way. And they're like, no, seriously, when I was in eighth grade, I was the smallest kid in my whole middle school. Sixth graders would walk by me and take on me, you know. And uh, But I was an athlete, and I loved competition. And as I got older, I got, you know, I, I grew and I got really into sports. And, you know, I even had a professional contract to play overseas in baseball you know, yeah. in Europe. And, uh, yeah, and so what happened was I played college ball, I did all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, you know, I graduate. It's time to, you know, you, you have a real job. And, you know, then all of a sudden you're married and you have kids. And here I am, 34 years old, but I feel like I still have the mentality of a 24-year-old when it comes to competition. So I was like, man, I got to, you know, keep pushing myself. And the problem is, you know, when you're into, you know, team sports, you get to that age, you know, some people aren't really into it anymore. So I've all, I've also always had a love of MMA. You know, I've watched, grew up, you know, watching the UFC and, you know, stuff like that. So I was like, well, let's start trying this mixed martial arts stuff. And particularly I love uh, Muay Thai, which is stand-up striking. Uh-huh. And so I, I got really into that. And then the next thing you know, I was like, you know, what? I want to try one fight. You know, I'd love to do more. But my wife, my wife would obviously have something to say about that. She says to me right now, you're, you're MMA fighting days are most certainly over <laughs> but she was gracious enough, gracious enough to give me that opportunity and um when i did it i thought you know what let's not just do it let's do it. i have a mentality of kind of why not you know let's make everything a little bit cooler you know i do that in my classroom so i figured why not do that here you know i reached out to a couple organizations i had a fight set up and, and a couple of them fell through and then an organization um, offered me a fight and i said listen like nothing's off the table let's make this cool I said, hey, you know, it's going to be a stand-up. They, they want it to be a stand-up fight. I said, let's go. And I said, why not? You know, I just started spitting things out. You know, I was like, why not? Uh, let's make it for a title. Like, you know, like, let's make it for, you know, main event where it's the number one fight of the night. And uh, the next thing I know, I had a, a title fight, and I'd never fought in my life. And I'm fighting a two-time champion who had 16 fights. And we're the main event, which means we are the fight at the end of the night that everybody's there to watch. And, uh, and not only that, I reached out and I got a whole bunch of sponsors, a um, whole bunch of sponsors. And I was like, dude, I've never fought. Like, I'm a teacher from Northern Virginia. What? Yeah. You know, not only am I stepping in the cage, but 
you know, this is becoming like, I felt like a real UFC champion for a minute, you know? And um, so the thing I learned from that was when I actually had the fight, you know, it was a great fight. It was a short fight, um, but it was a phenomenal fight. I even had a commentator come up at the end of the fight and say, man, that was the best fight of the night. And I lost. And I'm sitting there in a chair after I'd lost, and I was like, you know, really bummed out. And especially because I was actually doing phenomenally, you know, during the fight. I thought, you know, I was winning the fight. And yeah. Then, and then I lost. And the way the the way the fight worked, it was if you get knocked down, there's a standing eight count. Uh-huh. And so I got knocked down. I got up. And then this is after, you know, deep into deep into the fight. And then I got knocked down again. And I got back up again, but it was a second too late. Okay. You know? And so, uh, you know, in answering your question, you know, I learned two things. One, the only limitations you have are the ones you put on yourself. Yep. You know, I should have went into that fight. I should have went into that experience having, you know, with no fights, just fighting a guy, probably being the first fight of the card, you know, and I, I couldn't settle for that. And I walk into my classroom and I speak that to my kids. I say, listen, the only limitations you have are what you put on yourself. I should never have had a main event. I shouldn't have had a title fight. I shouldn't have had sponsors. But I had all that because I refused to have anything left. And in addition to that, I even talk about my loss and I say, you know, you know, they're always like, did you win? Right. How'd you win? I'm like, no, I lost. And they're like, wait, what? And I was like, no, I really did. I lost. And I'm okay with saying that because what I learned from that loss was that I didn't, I didn't get beat and lay there in defeat. Every time I got knocked down, I got back up every single time. And they're, they're like, really? And I'd be telling the story of how it went down. And, I'm, and, I, and I bring it back to my kid. And it, whether it be an education, whether it be a student, or whether it be your life, you, know, you get knocked down, you have to keep climbing back up. There is no, there is no quit. You know, the people that quit are the true failures. If you fail, it's okay. That's just one more step to winning. Right. You know, so that's, that's the second thing I take. Not only, not only are the, you know, there's no limitations except for what you put on yourself, but also, you know, you just keep getting, you just keep getting back up. So. So cool, man. So cool. And through the power, we talked about the power of social media. You took yeah. advantage of that, and you were able to get UFC fighter Paul Felder to come and visit Fred Lynn and <laughs> yeah, speak man. to your school. Like, how crazy is that? Like, talk a little bit about how that was, went and the impact it made. Oh, my oh. gosh. Let me tell you, man. It was nuts. First of all, the way, just getting them there, you know, when I talk about having a why not mentality, yep, dude, just getting them there was crazy. Like, my uncle, you know, there was a small connection between my uncle and his aunt. They worked at the same location. And because of that, I grew up, like I said, I – I was big into the USC, so I was actually a Paul Felder fanatic myself. And if, for those of you that don't know, Paul Felder is a USC lightweight contender. Um, and uh, he, you know, the way it worked out was uh, he had a fight coming up, and I told my kid, I was like, hey, just for fun, let's make a banner. Like, just, let's just see what happens here. Like, let's make a big banner that says, you know, something about Paul Felder and, and the fight that was coming up, and I'll, and I'll tweet it out, and we'll see what happens, you know. And sure enough, I tw- you know, we tweeted out, and our, our idea was, why not? Let's just, the worst we're going to get to know, you know? And I tweeted it out, and he tweeted back at us, and he said, tell me when. You know, it was, I tweeted it out. My boss, Hamish Brewer, tweeted it out, and uh, Felder hits us back and says, tell me when. And we are just like, whoa. And, and, you know, it's crazy because, like, as it comes to bringing a UFC fire to your school, I mean, we, we scheduled it. Um, we had him come in with his manager, and, you know, we're talking about a professional fighter who fights in front of millions of people. Yeah. Who's also, not only is he a fighter, but he's a TV analyst. A lot of people don't know that about him. So Paul Felder also is a TV analyst, a sports analyst. So he's also, you know, he's, he's a celebrity in a lot of ways. And here we are, he's coming to some little school in Northern Virginia. And it, it just seems wild, right? So we reach out to him on social media. He says, let's go. We schedule it and he comes into our school. And uh, the one thing that I love about Fredland Middle School and, and kind of going back to my why not mentality is that the boss I work with, you know, he's a phenom, man. And 
And we, the, I think the reason why I relate to him in a lot of ways on a personal level is because he sees things differently than most people do in education, similar to me, in that there's a lot of people out there that would have said, why are you bringing a fighter to your school? You know, what, where, in what regard does fighting have any place in middle school? You know, you're going to promote fighting. Next thing you're going to have kids fighting. It's going to be bad, you know. And, um, you know, Hamish Brewer and I sat down and we were like, listen, this is an opportunity to reach out to kids that, you know, not every kid is, is made on a conveyor belt or an assembly line that all seem the same and everybody's going to connect with them the same. So we got to bring in people that are going to connect with different kids. So he said, absolutely, let's make it happen. Let's go. Not only did he help reach out on social media, but he's like, let's make it huge. So Paul Felder comes in and what do we do? We, we pretty much make a UFC event for him. I mean, we had a, one of my good friends was the announcer. Um, Matt Schaefer was the announcer. He was a lot like a, you know, kind of like a Bruce Buffer. He was like introing Paul Felder and we had the, the gym was blacked out. We had, you know, kids surrounding a wrestling mat in the middle of the gym and the lights were off. We had music blasting. We had strobe lights. We had fog. Dude, we had a fog machine at a middle school. Yes. And then we had a big screen and I made a hype video that was like a, you know, when you watch like a, like a commercial advertising for a big event, whether it's a Super Bowl or whatever, that's what it looked like with highlights from Paul Felder's career. And like the kids were just hyped. It was nuts. I remember I was standing behind Paul and his manager and Paul turns and looks at his manager. And he's like, holy cow, man, I did not expect this. And I was just like, at that moment, I was like, yeah, let's go. Yep. And, we, and we go out and uh, the, the experience was phenomenal, man. Um, you know, he, he talked about, you know, grit, determination, you know, accomplishing your dreams. He even talked about how he was really into theater, you know, and a lot of kids in, you know, in the crowd were like, whoa, you know, after I talked to him later on, they're like, wait a minute, fighters into theater. Yeah. You know, and he's, and he's talking about anti-bullying and he's, what he's doing is like everybody that kind of second guessed that idea is like, oh, you're bringing in a fighter to promote fighting. No, we brought in a fighter to reach kids that can only be reached by a fighter to talk about goal setting, academics, change, their future and next thing you know we had all these kids who like normally would be sleeping in the back of the class they're like can i take a picture with him like i just want to shake his hand yeah so that was phenomenal man like we it was just it was an unbelievable event it was just like a ufc event and you know and and, and in regard to paul i mean he he probably he you know when he read the social media stuff he was probably like you know what? why not yeah. i'd love to impact these kids and he did it and he was amazing so so happy very cool very and it's like you said the worst they could say is no right like Absolutely. Shoot your shot, you know? Um, and so Exactly. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and then look what it turned into, you know? And so you and Hamish, you guys have also united, utilized your connections with the MMA world to form an anti-bullying campaign. You guys have T-shirts made up and all that good stuff. Talk about the purpose behind that campaign and some of the things you guys are doing to fight bullying on your campus. Absolutely. So with that even, you know, when we – when that got set up, um, the, the, the idea was quite simply, you know, everybody, you know, anti-bullying is obviously a thing because we realize that bullying has become an epidemic. Um, and so we wanted to fight bullying in a way that was completely unique. You know, Hamish and I kind of were thinking about what's the best approach to this. And then through the connections with MMA, you know, fear the fighter was there. They had to, they had a stop bullying campaign already in place. And we thought, you know what, this would be perfect in schools. And the reason why it would be perfect in schools would be, is because kids that normally might be the bully or be afraid to step up and stop it, 
are going to see this message, but they're going to see it a little bit differently because it's coming from an MMA clothing brand that actually sponsored UFC champions. You know, they're going to see this like in, you know, kind of this almost in your face t-shirt from a brand that they're like, well, I want to, I want to be a part of that. And so the idea behind it was let's make this campaign on the back of something kind of cool where the kids will get behind it at first simply because it's cool. And then let's see where it goes from there. And the next thing, I, and the next thing we know, like schools all across the nation, and we're jumping on board. Uh, global, we had schools in other other countries um, getting on board. And so the other part of it too is once you have once you have something there in place, the idea is what message are you sending? And the message isn't about fighting. It's not about fighting the bully. What it is is about um, being proactive. You know, being proactive in the sense that um, rather than pulling out your phone. In, in encouraging a fight or pulling out your phone and encouraging bullying, um, you're the one who's going to tell your friend who might be the bully, hey, you know, that's not cool, man. Like, you shouldn't have done that or you shouldn't be doing that and, like, kind of trying to separate the, the problem before it even starts. Or if something's happening, you're the one that's rather than pulling out your phone and taping it and laughing, you're the, you think you're like, oh, man, you know, it's cool to get involved and stop all this stuff. Like, I'm going to jump in and, and try to help out this kid, you know, or, when I see this kid sitting alone at lunch, you know, I'm going to go sit with him. It's yep. not even always being proactive and breaking up a situation. It's being proactive and showing kindness. And the other thing, too, is uh, a campaign like Stop Stopping Bullying does not have to be this big production. And, and the best way to do it is a lot of times subtly. So we have a big production in terms of our shirts that went global. But we have morning announcements where Hamish gets on the loudspeaker and says, I'm going to challenge you today. I want you to find that one kid who needs to be talked to and go talk to him. You know, I'm going to challenge the teachers. I'm going to challenge the students. And, uh, you know, I want to see this week, I want to challenge all of you to show one random act of kindness. And, you know, those messages over and over and over again. And, and when they do happen to also celebrate them, like we would celebrate not only at that moment, but also on social media and in front of our classes when kids would stay after and pick up a lunch table at lunch when everybody leaves and it's messy or when a kid would go sit with another kid or stuff like that. You know, uh, we have random acts of kindness where kids will be putting sticky notes all over different kids' lockers saying, hey, thinking about you today, what's up, blah, blah, blah. You know, those things are what changes school. Yep. And, you know, it started with just making a T-shirt that makes, you know, says, you know, stop bullying. But it's not only just wearing the T-shirt. It's what are you doing? Where's your actions? It's easy to just say you want to stop bullying. But what are you doing? You know, are you going out and advocating for that child that needs you at that moment? So that's kind of where it started, and then and then we're you know we're continuing with that. So it's pretty cool. That is super cool. And the kids are jumping on board. It's pretty amazing. Like we have kids who are like, I can't open my locker, and they're just like they look at a teacher, and they have four kids run up, and they're like, I'll help you. Yeah. They're not doing it for anything. They're not getting a reward out of that, other than like the fact that they know they're helping someone. Yep. So it's awesome. Yep. Yep. Man, yeah, that's that's huge. You said so much right there. Let's keep talking about bullying because sometimes there's a stigma that goes along with that word, right? Especially right. from the male perspective of, you know, you're soft or you're weak. You can't take care of your own business. Right. And so, like, for me, it's huge and so cool to see a guy like you that takes a vocal, active stance against it. How do Thank we, you. yeah, well, how do we continue to implement that mindset and mentality in young men? You know, I think here, this is something that's so important to me, you know, and, and I think that I think that it's this. We need to, in all teachers for this matter, have conversations with kids. We need to have real conversations with kids. And when it comes to school, if you want to better your school or you want to better your classroom, 
if you want to better these kids' lives, like you really need to have these conversations with kids. And, and it can be about a lot of things, all right? But having real conversations, a lot of times kids don't realize what they're doing or they think it's fun, you know? By having One of the things I do in my classroom is um, I'll start off my class with a story or I'll start off my class having a conversation or I might end it having a conversation. And I'll just talk to kids and be like, this has absolutely nothing to do with American history, but this is something that we need to talk about, you know? And I try to teach my kids to be good young men and good young women, and the and the men and the men really need to hear this stuff um, over and over and over again. I feel like you know, speaking from the guy's perspective, like I always need to hear things multiple times before it kind of builds into my head. And uh, and it's really it's really empowering to see you know male role models. I think oftentimes you know boys especially are looking for that male role model, and it's really key to have strong you know men in schools and by strong it simply mean guys who are willing to go in there and have a conversation you know yep. you don't have to you don't have to be a seven foot 300 pound lineman from you know alabama to have a conversation to be a strong male having a conversation with the boys at your school you just need to be that guy on that day who's willing to say listen this is how you treat women listen this is how you talk to your mother listen this is how you treat your teachers you know this is how you this is how you treat kids you know you don't you don't pick on a kid because of what he's wearing. You don't pick on a kid because of the shoes he has or doesn't have. You know, you should be the dude who's, like, rolling with him, you know, giving him a gangster shake and talking to him because, you know, you know somebody else might pick on him. Yep. That's what you need to be doing. That's what makes you tough. You know, being a being a tough guy, being a fighter, it, it's not about fighting. It's about standing for something that's bigger than you and bringing people with you. Like, how many – having a conversation with your kids and saying, how many – how many of your friends went and sat with that kid I saw alone at lunch? I bring that up a lot, you know. How many, you know, how many times did you guys, you know, go and bring that kid who couldn't find a partner in class? Why don't you call him over that guy? Can you imagine what that would do if you were that kid? And then all of a sudden you see, like, that light bulb go off in your head. And they're like, yeah, Mr. Alzheimer, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? And those, those conversations, those, those are the things that we need to be having in school because school is great when you learn fractions. School is great when you learn about World War II and you can pass a test, that's phenomenal. But what are we really here for? Yep. You know what I mean? What are we really here for? What's our real mission? And those are the things that matter because by doing that, you change your school. And by doing that, when you change your school, you change the environment, and then you change the academic level. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like it's like one big snowball. You do the little thing here, little thing there, next thing you know, you have a massive a- academic change. You know what I mean? It's huge, man. And, th- and then you're changing your community. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. And, and, and the other thing, too, is, like, we have, th- we have things that we do at our school. We're bringing in, you know, you want, we're bringing in the community. We're bringing in, we have, a, we have clubs where, you know, men come in and talk to other, to, to our boys and have, have these conversations. You know what I mean? It's also, you know, reaching out. And you, when, you, when you bring in the community, then they also, there's studies that show when you bring in the community to help out, their academic level improves because they, they feel cared for. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's so important to have these conversations. It all ties together. All ties together. We talked a little bit earlier about Paul Felder, and then you also had another cool experience here recently. You had the opportunity to sit down and spend some time talking to drama. Um, talk yeah, about yeah, how did that come about, and where do you hope that's going to lead moving forward? Dude, it's crazy. Um, like I said, man, I have a why not mentality to life. You know, I kind of live an extreme lifestyle in terms of, like, I don't do crazy things, but you know, if I see something kind of cool on the horizon, I'm thinking, like, let's go for it, man. And I think that, again, that whole idea of the only limitations you put on your, the only limitations you have are the ones you put on yourself. You know, I kind of came up with this idea. I work at a school where 
you know, it, it used to be a failing school and now it's amazing, you know, but the one thing that's still there is there's kids that are in need. And I think much like all the other schools around the nation and around the world, there's kids that are in need. I thought over the summer, this last summer, I'm thinking, man, how do I help these kids, man? Like, I, I feel like I always feel better and perform more when I feel like I'm, you know, like I'm, like I look good, you know, not, I'm not, you know, if my hair is done, I, you know, I'm a better speaker or like, you know what I mean? It's just, sure. I feel like it's natural that if you feel more confident, you're going to act more confident. And so I was thinking with our kids that are in need, you know, we got a lot of kids that come from, you know, families that need help and they'll wear the same t-shirt or hoodie every day. And after a while, like, you know what I mean? They need something different. They need something different. But my approach to it was like, let's get something that the kids see at like the mall. You know, let's let's go next level with it. Let's let's be, you know, let's go after something. Let's, you know, as Mr. Uh, Brewer likes to say, let's be relentless. And and so over the summer, I contacted, man, I like to say 20 clothing brands or more. And you know, I was looking for something that kids would look at and go, I want that. Yeah. Because my other approach to it was not just helping the kids in need, but helping build student leaders. And I thought, you know, I can I can you know do two things at once here. You know, we can help kids that need it. And then we can also build a school culture with the students going after, like, helping kids out, you know, picking up trash in the hallway, all the things that we talked about at Fredman as essentials to a good good character. I was like, we can do that if I can bring in something cool. So I reached out to all these different clothing brands. You know, I got turned down a whole bunch of times. And then all of a sudden, bam, like, as soon as I reached out to Young and Reckless, which is the company that Drama owns, um, he reached out back to me. And he's like, yo, let's do this, man. I'll send you a whole bunch of stuff. And I, could, I was like, whoa, dude, like, that, talk about why not. You know, I said, why not? I sent out the messages. He said, why not? Let's do it. And he doesn't get anything out of it necessarily, you know, other than just knowing he's helping out of school. And so he sent us a bunch of a bunch of shirts for our kids. And uh, and I told the kids, I was like, listen, I told all the teachers in our school and, and the kids as well. I said, listen, if you want a shirt, I said, this is how you get it. You know, working harder in class, um, being a leader when normally you might be quiet in the classroom, you know, taking the lead on a project. If I get an email from a teacher, they'll send your name to me. You come to my room, you get a shirt. Within a week, dude, within a week of handing out a few shirts, I had kids lined up at my door, like knocking on my door, like, how do I get a shirt? How do I get a shirt? I was like, I told you how. You're going to go make it happen. And they're like, all right, all right, all right. So next thing you know, you have all these emails coming in of kids that, you know, normally might not be doing anything but chilling in the back of the room, not doing any work. All of a sudden, now they're like, hey, they just got an A on their second quiz this week. You know, can you give them a shirt? I was like, bring them over. Let's go. You know what I mean? And so, you know, Hamish Brewer and I were like, we have got to say thank you to him, you know. And uh, and obviously for me, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of drama. He, you know, for those of you that don't know, he's a big MTV reality TV star. And so I grew up watching the guy and I was like, oh, man, I'd love to have a conversation with him and say thank you rather than over, you know, an email. And so we hit him up um, and he said, yeah, let's do a Skype. And so the other day, uh, about a month ago, we sat down with him and we Skyped with him and. And I'll tell you what, man, talk about a person who's humble. You know, he talked about what kind of gave him the idea to come up with even the idea of Young and Reckless, you know, that, that brand name. And he said, you know, just it, it, going after what you want. And it's okay to be the, the kid riding the skateboard. Like, go after what you want. Like, there's nothing off the table for you. And, and, uh, and he was, and I asked him, I was like, what made you want to work with us? And he said that you, he's like, your school literally embodies what I'm trying to get the brand to look like and be like, you know, you are that alternative approach to education where some kids in other schools might feel like, you know, being left out because of, you know, the way they look or the way they dress or, 
the fact that they ride a skateboard or whatever. He's like, you guys embrace that, man. You have like a boxing ring painted on your walls. You have, you're giving out skateboards to kids and all this crazy stuff. And man, I'll tell you what, like he even said, he's like, man, I want to keep this going. I want to keep working with your school. So right now the future with it is, uh, you know, there's nothing off the table with him. Um, he was more than happy to help us and he's more than happy to help us in the future. So it's phenomenal. That's big. The kids loved it. So yeah. I, I couldn't, I can't say anything else to that other than the fact that, man, the kids sure love that stuff. Man. Yeah. That's big time, big time. And so that leads in perfectly to the next topic I want to talk to you about. You tweeted recently, you got a picture on your classroom door that says, I don't care about grades. I care about your effort. And that's so hard in in the world of education because so many teachers and the kids and the parents, they associate grades with success or failure. Right. And so talk, talk about that statement. And then how do you ingrain that nurture that in the lives of the young people that you work with every day? Oh yeah. hundred percent, man. So yeah, I've had that. I've had that uh, on my door for a couple of years now, and you know, and I posted it on social media. You know, a lot of people loved it, but a lot of people questioned it too. They were like, "Wait a minute, you're trying to tell me that you know you are just handing out trophies? You know, you're trying to tell me that you know grades don't matter, and you're you're okay with going to get taken care of by a doctor who was a D plus student?" And I, and I was like, "Of course not. I think you missed the mark on the conversation. The conversation is this, and it and it goes back to when I was a kid. You know, when I was in school." You know, I'm not going to lie, man. I, one of the ways I connect with my kids is I say, listen, I was, I was a terrible test taker when I was in school. I was a below average student because of that. Like I might, I would work harder than anybody on any classwork assignment and get a great grade. But when it comes to tests, I just struggled with it, man. It wasn't until I got to college where I learned how to really study and ace stuff. You know, school was hard for me until I reached college. And, and so when I was in school, I remember this. I remember teachers like over and over and over again telling me that I wouldn't amount to anything. And, you know, I had one teacher that said I was stupid. Like, I cannot tell you how much that affected me. And it all went back to um, my grade, you know. They didn't see the kid who never got in trouble. They didn't see the kid who worked really hard. They saw the kid who didn't do well on tests. And because I didn't do well on tests, that's that's the category they put me in. And even to this day, I carry a chip on my shoulder in anything and everything that I do. Um, because of that. And so when I walk into my classroom, I tell my kids, I'm saying, listen, I don't care about your grade on the test. If you did every single thing leading up to that test, if you did every bit of that project to the best of your ability, if you, even if you do it wrong, I don't care. Make it the best wrong answer I've ever seen. If you do that to me, you're a success because what's going to happen is two things. One, eventually you're going to get it just like I did. Eventually it will come to you. And I have this conversation with my kids. I tell them, I'm telling you, I could tell you out of the, my own life examples, eventually you will get it if you keep working and don't quit. And then you can ask my kids, you can walk in tomorrow and say, what's the number one word in Mr. Alzheimer's class? And they'll all say effort because that's what matters most to me. I still care about the grades. We all care about the grade. We all care if our kids get A's, you know, that, but that's not the point. The point is I don't want kids shutting down because they think Mr. Alzheimer doesn't care about me because I don't get an A because that's how I felt when I was in school. You know, I, I had teachers that, you know, they, they looked down on me simply because I didn't get, you know, an A. And I don't want my kids to feel that way. I have conversations with kids even now where I'm like, listen, you know, I know I'll, I might know the background of them when they're coming into my room. They're getting shifted over from another class, whatever the case may be. And I say, listen, I do not care if you get an A. I don't care if you get an F. But if you give me every single thing you got, I'm going to be smiling at the end of that test. That's on you. I have to see the work. I have to see the effort. And I'll tell you what, you see them, you see the shift in their mindset. Yeah. It's incredible. 
You know what I mean? They're all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, I'm meeting a teacher that does not care if I get it. Hey, it's totally weird. But you also have to, you also have to make sure they understand that you don't care about the end result if they put in the work. Right. Right. If they put in the work all the way through and they get a C, like I've had kids that were like, oh, I worked so hard, I studied, you know. And I have kids now, and because of what I, because of that, because of what I tell them, they, you know, one of the things that um, we always say is that. A letter grade doesn't define you. Hamish Brewer, I think, made that famous. A letter grade doesn't define you, right? And so I tell my kids, that letter doesn't define you. That number doesn't define you. didn't define me. And so I want to see the work effort and, uh, and the, the work ethic, excuse me, and the, yeah. and the effort that you put in. And, and the kids are all of a sudden, I've got kids, I'm telling you, so many times they're saying, Mr. Alshimer, I studied for your test last night. Check it out. I even have kids proving it to me. You know, they're yep. showing up and they're like, look, we had a study session and I was texting with all my friends. I never studied for tests. And I was like, exactly. That's the effort that I want to see. And then what ends up happening is because they're willing to put in the work because they know I don't. They know that my main focus isn't the end result. My main focus isn't the, the letter grade. I care about are they working so that they can get it down the road later. Because for me, the end result is not the test. The end result is what are they going to be like when they go off into high school and into college. That's the end result. What's the what's the rest of their life going to look like? That's the end result. My state test at the end of the year or my test at the end of the unit is not an end result. And if you think that, then that's – I think you need to rethink your philosophy on education. The end result is what's their future going to look like. And if you ingrain this, this mindset in them, all of a sudden now they're working so much harder. And the next thing you know, i got kids coming back from high school even. They're saying, Mr. Alzheimer, I'm getting A's and B's. Man, I never used to get A's and B's. I'm like, yeah, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. So It's so cool. You know, it, it all goes back to my – yeah, it all goes back to my history and the fact that I'm not going to sit here and say, man, I was an A student, you know, I was a 4.0. I might have had, I was one B shy of a 4.0 when I went to grad school, but when I was in high school, man, I struggled, man, and I'm okay with saying that. And I worked really hard even though I struggled. I wasn't the guy who said I could fell asleep. But yep. because of that struggle early on, now I have kids who are listening to my story and can relate, and now they're working that much harder for me. So cool. So cool. It's all about those relationships, right? You got to love your kids. Yeah, man. That's what it goes back to. That's what, that's mm-hmm. what it 100%. all starts with. Um, so we've talked about all these amazing things. And so I think a lot of the listeners are going to be shocked when we tell them that you work in a school that just a few short years ago, it was labeled as failing, right? And oh, yeah. you know, Big it was, had all the negative labels. Nobody wanted to go to school there. You don't want to live in the neighborhood, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now right, right. you guys are officially accredited by the state of Virginia. And yeah, th- that's so, like, congratulations first. Like that's a huge, huge accomplishment for <laughs> everybody, for the, for the entire community. But there's yeah, so yeah. many schools all over this country, man, that are in a similar situation. And you've been a huge part of this amazing turnaround there at Fred Lynn Middle School. The million dollar question, how do you do it? Oh man, like, I'll tell you what, I've been, I've worked at two failing schools. Um, I, I worked out west in the inner city school at high school, and it was failing. And then, I, and then when I started working at Fredlin, I've been there eight years. And when you say you know failing, man, Fredlin was struggling for years, and to the tune of um, parents were taking their kids and you know putting them in other schools, um, you know. And, and not only that, teachers didn't want to take jobs at our school. Um, even worse than that, teachers that worked at the school, myself included. Um, it was almost like if you wore your Fred Lynn hoodie or T-shirt or whatever to a professional development, uh, no lies. Teachers around would look at you and go, oh, you, you work there? Yeah. <laughs> and they'd kind of laugh at you. And I'm like, no, I really do, and I don't appreciate that. You know what I mean? And so all of a sudden now what happens is, uh, you know, Hamish Brewer walks in the door, kind of kicks the door in and says, you know, let's be relentless who's with me. 
And, you know, I have a lot of people think, is it a gimmick? And it's really not. And the one thing I can say is this, it's, it's a mindset shift of, you know, it's, there's no shadows in education, man. Like, you have to have people at your school that are willing to get in the trenches, have a frontline mentality, get down and dirty and, and, and go to the depths for their kids, you know. Um, it's not just academic, you know, to be honest with you. Um, the one thing that I loved was, and I hold dear, is I always believe that behavior management is one of the biggest factors in a school being successful or failing. And when Hamish Brewer walked in the door, he wasn't like, we're going to change the entire academic scheme that you have at your school, what he said was, this is what we're going to do. And a lot of it was around behavior management um, and relationship building. And he's like, listen, if we are consistent with our relationship building, if we are consistent with making the environment awesome, if we are consistent in our message, you can't say something. You can't say, um, go and, and, and be kind today, and then you don't mention it for a month. Like, what you say, you have to say repetitively. And it has to be consistent, just like in your classroom. If, if you say something is a rule on day one, it better be a rule on day ten. You can't let you can't let things slide. And so that was one of the biggest things, man. Honestly, it was going in, and all of a sudden we have teachers that are always in the hallway. They're at their door, always greeting kids. They're at their door, um, you know, trying to ask if you know they can help kids that even aren't even theirs. You know what I mean? Like you might not even know a kid's name, and they're going over and trying to help a kid with something, find a classroom. You know, we have, we have teachers, like, this is amazing to me. We had teachers last year when we were trying to get uh, to the next level educationally at our school that were seventh grade teachers going up and helping and tutoring eighth grade teacher, uh, eighth grade students. Um, a couple of our teachers actually taught an eighth grade class during their planning time. They're like, listen, it was all hands on deck. And that's kind of the mental shift I'm talking about. You know, it's not about, like, what new thing can we put, what word wall can we do, or what, you know, what new technology can we throw. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with building relationships with kids, whatever your message is, make it consistent. Make sure that kids are behaving, because that behavior is going to either hinder everybody else's academic level, or it's going to, if it improves, if the behavior improves, then all of a sudden everybody's paying attention. And then you want kids to love their teachers, and you want kids to love their school. So pumping out those messages of like, I dare you to go say what's up to a teacher. One of our essentials is you have to, you have to greet your teachers. So students will walk by you and say, good morning, Mr. Alzheimer. That never used to happen. You know, you have to, one of the other essentials, you have to walk on the right side of the hallway. You know, in years past, kids were running around, running into each other, you know, bouncing a kid off a locker. You know, now they're walking on the right-hand side of the hallway. Not only that, but when an adult walks into a room, what kind of respect are you showing them? That's not even academic. So when when an adult, whether it's the principal or anybody, walks in, even a parent walks into a classroom, you'll see all the kids stand up and greet them. Good morning, whoever it is. And if they don't know their name, good morning, sir, or good morning, ma'am, or good afternoon, sir, good afternoon, ma'am. Those small things are what really created a massive shift that, that kind of spread into the academics and really kind of changed our whole environment of our school. Our school culture just became infectious. And, and, it, and, it went, and it went even further. Teachers were, you know, then taking the next step, and everybody's trying to outdo each other in a good way. Like, I'm going to have a zombie apocalypse English lesson on a book we're reading. You know what I mean? I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I'm going to have, a, you know, a murder mystery party to teach review for the Spanish-American. Like, it's all this stuff. Who can you bring? We're having an Olympic athlete coming in. 
um, next week, you know, and nothing's off the table, but it all started with just that environmental change. So cool, man. Like it's just, it's so, it's just fun. Like it's fun. I enjoy watching it and seeing all the tweets and the social media stuff. And you know, there's other teachers that are tweeting at what they're doing as well. Cause like you said, it's contagious. Once you get going then somebody yeah. else says, let's see what we can do over here. You know, like that's so cool. Absolutely. Cause a lot of times you'll find at schools that are struggling and I can speak to this cause I was at one. I was obviously I've been at two is that, you know, um, rather than like teachers saying like, I don't want to be a part of things. Everybody wants to be a part of things now, you know, um, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do what I always did. Now we're challenging everybody, you know, do what works. If that doesn't work, you got to change it. And, and the culture is getting crazy. And, and, and the one thing I can speak to is I'm telling you, it is not fake, man. You come into our school on any given day and I'm not going to say our school is perfect. I'm not going to say I'm perfect. Dude, I probably, I'm the third smartest person in this conversation right now, but I will tell you this, that when you come into our school, you're going to see people going all out when you, when we say we're all in for education and we're all in for our students who really mean it. And it's incredible, man. Like I've seen it, I've seen it from one side of the tracks to the other, and it's just amazing to see the change. And it was such a small thing, but it was such a big change. Yeah, so, yeah. And and I'm proud to be part of it, man. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, dude. Right. From talking to you here today, from and I had the opportunity to meet you here a while back, and then social media. It's obvious you're yeah. one of those educators. You pour so much of who you are into your so school, much. and yeah, into your kids and your classroom. You also have a wife and two daughters of your own at home. How do you, and I know That's a lot right. of lot of educators, a lot of people in general, but I work with educators all the time, they you know, struggle with that balance. How do you balance the time and energy that it takes to do what you do on the educational side of things with being a husband and a father? Oh, man, it's key, dude. Like the one thing you got to understand, like in education, it's so easy to get burned out. You know, so many people, they come in their first year and they're like, I'm going to change the world. And I, and like, it's awesome because they're all about, but the next thing you know, they don't have a balance and they get burned out so fast. And all of a sudden Christmas comes around and they're like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I was up, up every night. I'm up super late doing lesson plans or, um, you know, grading papers. And you know what I can say? This is the best way, the best approach is balance and efficiency. You know, talk to the people at your school that, you know, have it all together, at least seemingly have it all together. No one has it all together. That's a lot. <laughs> you know, that seem like they do. Um, and say, hey, man, like, what tips can you give me? And, and, and even, even the teachers that have been around a long time, man, like, I've been around 10 years, and I learn something new every day from people that have been around from, you know, one year, they're brand new, and they're doing something cool. To, they've been around for 30 years, man. And uh, it's, not about, it's not about staying up till midnight every night grading papers. It's about finding that balance, because if you don't find that balance, you're going to hate your job. And, you know, you got you to, gotta, if you're not going into your classroom every day with a love, for what you're doing. I mean, you might be tired. You might need a second cup of coffee. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, what I like to do is I like to, you know, I talk about my family while I'm at school. I talk about my family with my classroom, man. And, uh, you know, my kids know a lot about what's going on in my school, but the, the biggest thing is balance, dude. Like, don't overreach yourself to the point where you're just so strung out and you're just like, I can't, I can't even think about grading another paper. You know what I mean? Sometimes there's been days where I'm like, you know what? If it doesn't get done during the school day, I'm not going to do it. Yep. I'll come back tomorrow. I'm not taking it home because my kids need to, me to read to them. You know, my, my wife needs me to hang out and go out somewhere with her. You know what I mean? So it, you got to have that balance because otherwise it'll just, you know, it'll make it, it, you won't love it anymore. And if you're doing this, you have to love it, man. hundred percent. hundred percent. So super exciting. You're writing a book 
And like, you told me that the other day and I was like, dude, like that is so sick, man. What is it about? Like, when's it going to get published? Like, tell me where you're at in the process. Dude, man, I'm pretty, it's pretty, it, dude, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty in the infant stages right now. Honestly, what it came down to was, um, I was thinking, you know what, man, like, I don't, I don't know a ton of things. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, man. I don't know a ton of things when it comes to lesson planning or strategies, you know what I mean? Yep. I'm not going to pretend like I know everything, but there's certain things I know well, and that's building relationships and that's going all out to make your school awesome. And the cool thing is, is, uh, our second documentary, um, I'm going to call it relentless Two. I don't know what the name of it's going to be, but the first one relentless one had over 38, around 38 million views, um, from a company called FreeSync. And so our second one's coming out and it's going to have some of the, some of the cool stuff that, we talked about today. And uh, so my book, you know, I just decided, you know what, man, I'm going to write a book. Why not? You know, when I was in school, I had teachers that said, you know, you wouldn't amount to anything. I already said that, right? And uh, you can't write and, you know, your grammar's terrible. And, and so I was like, you know what, man, just like my whole life, I've, I've walked around with a chip on my shoulder and look at all the, you know, the, I'm, I'm not afraid to put myself out there. So I decided, you know what, man, if there's anything I can write about, it's writing about how to make a school awesome from inside the classroom and that kind of spreads out. So that's what my book's about, man. And, and, um, I'm currently in the process of writing it. Um, and also talking to publishers. Um, I'm talking to a publisher. I've had a little bit of a conversation with a publisher that we all know and love, but you know, I'm going to nail down a publisher and there's no, there's no date set yet because it's still in the infant stages, but, um, I'm still cranking it out, dude. I was, I was just editing a chapter two days ago. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited about it because I can, what I'm speaking to, I live it, man. There's nothing I'm going to write in my book that I haven't done. And, uh, like Bringenfelder, going after drama, fear the fighter, having, talking with kids and the stories that I'm going to put in this book are legitimate. Um, it's not, I think too often with writing books, a lot of times you'll be reading stuff and you're like, man, it just sounds like words on paper to me, man. But you're, you know, you're going to feel it when you read mine. So the day it comes out, it's going to be in the future, you know, yep. but it's, it's coming, man. So be ready. I can't wait, man. I'm excited because it's, it's, it comes, it comes with that whole idea of why not, man, just why not write a book? Who cares? You know what? If one person buys it and thinks it's awesome and learns something from it, then to me, that was a successful book. Yep. I'm not in this for money and I'm not into writing a book for money. I'm not in for teaching for money. I'm in it to change lives, man. And so if I can write this book and like I said, one person reads it, they're like, dude, I tried this one thing and it worked for me. And all of a sudden now I got kids coming back to my room or, I reached out to a company and I use social, you know, whatever that is. Yep. You know, to me, that's successful. So big time, dude. So if our listeners, they want to connect with you on social media, how do they do it? Oh man. Uh, Instagram or Twitter. Um, it's at Mr. Underscore Alzheimer. So reach out to me. And, uh, honestly, like if you have, if you have questions for me, uh, hit me up with a DM or you want to run an idea past me. And I love that because it also opens doors because you know, what, I love learning from people. And sometimes there's so many people on social media, it's hard to connect with different people. So if people hit me up, I'm always like, hey, let me hit you up or let me check out your feed. So, yeah, hit me up on social media. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to learn from you. So cool, man. Dude, I can't thank you enough for being on here. I knew from <laughs> thank you, from, yeah, from before talking to this, I was like, man, like you're the kind of dude, like I want my son to have you as a teacher. But now that we've had this conversation, <laughs> thank you. it's kind of like, thank I, wa I want to be in your class too, you know? So I don't know if you have two empty seats in there that Brooks and I could come and hang out, man. <laughs> hey, but, man, uh, if, you, if you're into education, man, it's all about, it's all about, you know, just living it and loving it and doing it for the right reasons, man. So I appreciate that. And I, you know, I'm excited for, you know, what the future holds, and I'm very happy that you had me on, and um, I'm very excited, man. Appreciate all the, appreciate the offer.
Yes, sir, man. Thanks so much, I'd love to have you and your son in my class. Hey, we'll do it, man. We'll make it happen, man. Guys, you've been listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would do me a huge favor, if you would rate it, subscribe to it, and then share it with a fellow educator that you think might enjoy it as well. Chase your dreams, kids.